Hi, this is Jake Kerr, and welcome to The Joy of Writing. I apologize for not having been releasing podcasts for the last three weeks. Um, I was uh, sick and then uh, traveling, and there was uh, quite a bit of uh, mental exhaustion involved. And as you're aware, in this podcast, I write a story live, no net, basically. Uh, I write it right in front of you. So it requires a certain level of uh, mental uh, acuity and uh, and uh, a fresh mindset going in. Um, I could have done some podcasts, but they went of the quality that I would uh, expect and hope to uh, present to you. So with that in mind, um, just be aware, this will mostly be a weekly podcast, but there may be times, like I said, due to illness and other things where I'm going to be skipping a week. But fear not, this podcast will continue. Uh, I'm taking too much joy in the joy of writing to uh, give it up. So let me give you a quick refresher. This is uh, a podcast where I take a prompt from the Reddit uh, group Writing Prompts, and I write it uh, live in front of you, uh, relaying to you my thoughts as I write the story, so you can kind of both read the story and uh, and uh, watch my process as I go along. Hopefully that will uh, uh, do two things. One, inspire you. You'll see that writing isn't this difficult and crazy uh, arcane uh, art that... Uh, requires uh, a great deal of uh, you know training all it really takes is uh, a dedication to think through your thoughts and get them down on paper uh, the other thing that i hope this uh, podcast does is uh, entertain you as well so let's uh, let's move on i'm going to start with uh, a prompt this week with a theme uh, the prompt doesn't actually have a theme the uh, writing process is going to going to have a theme as you may have seen or, or listened to in previous podcasts uh, I addressed writing dialogue, I addressed writing point of view, I've written straight narratives, and uh, really approached the writing process in different ways. Again, I want you to really take joy in what you do, uh, so you don't have to kind of beat yourself up if you're following along at home. You could just write the story the way you want. But part of this is intended to be educational, so I want to kind of address things as they come along and perhaps skew the, the writing in a certain way so you can see how a writer approaches various challenges. One of the most difficult things for a lot of writers to um, appreciate, and this goes for uh, very experienced writers as well, is the concept that form follows function. Um, the uh, the story um, is not written in a three act form with third person. Uh, past tense on any kind of arbitrary reason. There should be a, a reason behind everything you do when you sit down and write. Uh, and that's what I mean by form follows function. You can have a story that is very simple, boring in fact, that if you were to write it in a straight narrative would really not be an effective story at all. It would be a story. It just wouldn't be. A However, you can do things in the form of the story or the function of the story that makes the, uh, the, the form that you're trying to uh, create become that much more compelling. Uh, some things that you can do. Take the conclusion of the story, the, the, the stunning denouement, and put it at the front. 
and then work everything backwards from there. We've seen this uh, type of approach in novels like Time's Arrow by Martin Amos and many short stories. The other things you can do is... uh, cut the story into little pieces, comment on the story like a meta-narrative where the writer and in, in kind of puts himself in the story. There is a limitless way uh, or limitless ways to tell a story. And the thing that you need to uh, understand is what's the best way to tell a story. Unfortunately, that takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of um, experience, uh, but it's really good to try these different things, even when you're first starting out. Um, you know, one of the things you'll hear people say is, "Don't do uh, first-person present tense," or "Don't do this," or "Don't," or uh, you know, uh, "You can't do this," or "You can't do that." You know, all of these rules are really not rules. They're they're guidelines for lazy editors or lazy teachers because they don't want to go through the process of teaching you how to use these tools effectively. Passive voice is a tool. That's not something you're not supposed to do. First person present tense, you may hate it, but it's a tool. There's a reason to use first person present tense. So what I want to do this week is go through a story, take a prompt, and write a story that uses a very atypical narrative form. Uh, I want to do, I want to play with it. I don't know what exactly I'm going to do. I mean, that's the whole nature of this podcast. I'm going to do it in front of you. But I want to do something different. I don't want it to be beginning, middle, and end. I don't want it to be third person past. I don't want it to be really anything that's recognizable as a traditional narrative form. The only rule I want to go with is I want it to be a story that at the end, when you get to the end, you say, ah, that's a natural ending for the story. And I understand what took place. But I want the form of the story to be in an atypical way, but not just arbitrary. I want to do it in a way that makes it more effective as a story. So uh, about 30 minutes ago, I went to the uh, writing prompts subreddit and found this prompt, which I really like uh, for this specific exercise. The prompt is, after spending nearly a century alone on Mars with no hope of rescue, curiosity starts to plan revenge against mankind. So let's, what does this do in the way of how can we present prevent this uh, present this as a great story? Well, a traditional narrative, it's going to be very, very difficult. It's a single character. There's no multiple characters, one character. It's, it's not only a single character, it's a uh, a Martian rover. It's a Martian robot. So uh, the it's not going to be talking or necessarily interacting with its environment and other people in ways that you could structure around uh, a traditional narrative. Now we could do that, but I think that. Uh, you know, it's going to be much more rich to take these really basic elements and rather than just spin them into a traditional narrative, kind of heighten the tension and create uh, a new way to looking at this using a non-traditional narrative. Taking this function we want to achieve of creating a story and, and using the form that can best fit it. All right, so let's get down to, to, to business and start working on the story. So the first thought that goes through my head is that we've got the, the Martian Curiosity rover. Uh, it's just a machine, so it doesn't have independent thoughts. So it's a century hence. Uh, so in between now and then, it had to have achieved sentience. It had uploaded some kind of sentient program for it to kind of manage its own uh, kind of uh, uh, life. It has to give it thought. Otherwise, we don't have a story because it's not going to plot revenge if it doesn't uh, have sentience. So that's one element of the story that we're going to address is and we have to give uh, do some world building, some background that uh, it achieved this uh, 
uh, you know, sentience. The other thing we need to uh, address are a couple of the, the key points here, and they're all very interesting to me. One is it wants to be rescued. It achieves sentience, and once it achieves sentience, it feels lonely. That's a really powerful emotion, and I think that's one we can really play on. And then the third piece is also emotional along the, along the lines of loneliness, and that's revenge. When uh, you have something that uh, is at the depths of desperation and pain and suffering, and it believes that this was caused by someone else, it will want to plan revenge. So... I want to start with that, and then we're going to work backwards. This is a non-traditional narrative, like I said, so we're not going to do a beginning, middle, and end. We're going to do something different, and what we're going to basically do is, first thing we're going to do is identify all the pieces, and then kind of go into depth on each one. So there's going to be a lot of planning for this narrative, or this story, I should say, as opposed to a lot of typing up front. So work with me here. If uh, if you've downloaded the, uh, the story uh, from uh, the Facebook page, uh, which is uh, face, facebook.com slash groups slash joy of writing. Um, and, you, uh, and you have the story in front of you, you can kind of go through, read it, and then see how I kind of got, got there uh, after, while I'm doing it right now. So let's start. First of all, I want to start with the revenge thing. So I have two thoughts here. You know, it's a, it's a, a rover on Mars. There's not a whole lot it can do in the way of revenge. And I'm thinking of two specific items. It's there on a mission, and its mission is to uh, continue to investigate Mars. There's, there's, to my mind, three ways we can kind of, uh, you know, establish revenge. The first is it makes a stunning discovery, but its revenge is to refuse to share it with mankind on Earth. Maybe it's a uh, lush world that it finds, and as Earth is plunging into a dystopian world of scorched Earth and boiling seas, uh, Mars is our haven, but we don't know it because the uh, Curiosity rover is keeping it from us out of. Uh, I really like that. The other part is that uh, you know uh, revenge is also you know the best revenge is a life well lived. So maybe the revenge is it just decides to stop broadcasting back to Earth and it's going to enjoy its time on Mars by itself. I like that as well. And, you know, the third type of revenge would be, uh, you know, actively creating some kind of, I'm going to get back to Earth somehow and uh, go on a rampage. Uh, that one does not sound compelling, nor does it sound realistic to me, um, you know, within the scope of what I'm thinking of. So let's think of the, uh, the two. Uh, a life well lived where it cuts off communication with Earth or it uh, decides to uh, hide from Earth death spiral with its uh, with its uh, save you know salvation so close yet uh, curiosity rover both of those are good I like them both um, I think I'm going to go more with the first one. A life well lived is a very valuable lesson. It's an important thing. Uh, it's an important thing for everybody to embrace if they're considering re- to know that ignoring the uh, source of your anger is the best revenge of all. But in the concept of this story, I love the idea that Earth uh, pissed off <laughs> the Mars Curiosity rover and uh, sealed its own fate. There's a there's a certain amount of justice there that works for them. So we we have our uh, ending. 
the other thing I want to think about is, okay, we have another scene where it's receiving, uh, we have to set the story up with it uh, receiving a, a sentience, uh, some kind of program, and it's birth. So there's going to be kind of a birth scene, a birth of sentience. Um, and again, I'm using scene lightly here. This is going to be a non-traditional narrative. We could do all kinds of interesting things with language, and, and we will. So we've got uh, birth, we've got the conclusion, and the middle is the part where we need to kind of figure things out. So uh, I like the idea of um, the character of the curiosity um, being newly sentient, acting chaotic, you know, thoughts that don't make sense out of context of living on more interacting with earth maybe starting with a formal but uh, then going crazy i mean there's a lot of stories where we've gone with that uh, alfred bester wrote a classic called the pie man which i recommend pi pie man uh, fondly Farron or fondly no he didn't write that quarter winner smith wrote that uh uh, Alfred Bester wrote uh, Fondly Fahrenheit, which is also a great uh, <coughs> take on people's minds uh, not acting the way they should. <coughs> so um, let's start. It's a non-traditional narrative. We want to set the tone first. So let's uh, let's start with a uh, uh, something that's very uh, technical, like a, a software upload. So uh, what we'll do is uh, uh, do like uh, um, upgrade pending, something like that. Uh, we'll do some visual things with a line showing that uh, like a progress uh, meter. And then after that, uh, some communication from Earth. So let's do that. Let's do uh, let's put that. Uh, another thing that is very interesting here is that uh, when you're talking about computer code that's sent from Earth to Mars, we can change the font. We can create, use like a very uh, 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 computer type font to illustrate that. We don't have to do that, but it's, it's another way that the the uh, form of the story will help tell the story. So the first thing I'm going to do is uh, do a statement that establishes uh, a techno, like a uh, computer-to-computer -computer connection, uh, which will have all kinds of updates, like connection successful. So let's go through that. Connection successful, Mars Curiosity Rover firmware version 3.214.2245.118.2018. So we set the time. All systems normal. Solar battery 100%. Mechanical systems 100%. Environment assessment, good. I mean, I could go down a, a, a longer list here, but we really want to just get a taste for this is some kind of connection to the Martian uh, rover and, and what's going on. Software update initiated. And then this is where we put in the progress bar. Mars Curiosity rover firmware upgraded to V4.01.332. Again, notice what we're doing here. Um, there's no he said, she said, setting the scene. It's all it's all kind of like a very technical assessment, but it's laying out what's happening. The rover's on Mars. We know the date. We know that everything seems to be working fine, and we see that they've updated the software. Now, what I want to do next is... Uh, we, ha we need to set it up that there's some kind of... We need to set up the sentience somehow. Let's go back a little bit. Let's start with an actual first-person statement from Curiosity. 
talking about the day and his mindset. And we'll add a time to make it even more specific. 118, 28 to uh, 22 point, 22, 18. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when I was born. I've been on Mars for over 100 years, but I had no awareness of it until the sentience firmware up. So I celebrate that day, the day I learned that I was alone, a slave. And my only purpose in life was to collect data, look for signs of life, and serve my masters on Earth. All right. So again, this is a non-traditional narrative. We're going to do that and then we'll do like a two line blank, two two skipped lines, and go back to his birth. Do a uh, line break. Not a line break. We'll do a uh, story break, which is like three asterisks. Now we go into the connection successful. Let's add uh, a software element. We've got the firmware upgraded. Now the software upgrade is going to say sentient software point something or other. Sentient software 1.3.11 installation initiated. Do another, I'll do a cut and paste of, how about this? Congratulations, Rover. You are now sentient. Sounds like the uh, silly type of thing that I do another break. So when I say we're going to do another break, what I mean to say is Rover speaks. Don't know when I was born. I'm a, I'm a slave. My only purpose is collect that. And then we see his birth. Now we're going to do something. We've got we to gotta illustrate a few things in this story. But the most important one is his alienation with... So now we'll do a... He wants to talk to someone. How about that? The initial... Let's do a, an initial... Uh, he will be uh, sending samples back to Earth. And it won't be a conversation because the people are going to be using conversational language. But he'll be limited in that he can only answer with uh, kind of data stuff. He's not allowed to speak, as it were, in real language. So let's do an assess. I like that idea where he's going to push through to Earth and they're going to be shocked to know that he wants to speak in real language. Language. So let's do an exchange here using a messaging protocol. So we'll have uh, kind of, uh, let me see, NASA, Mars. What do we want to call the, uh, the sub-agency? Let's do NASA Mars Dat Call, something data collection. Now we're going to have uh, NASA Mars Dat Call is going to send a real-life, uh, real, uh, you know, a real language, what we would call a real language query to Rover. Now that he sent it, they don't have to be specific. They can just ask for a general request. And then he has to reply in, in a specific, uh, you know, uh, way that is highly limited. So yes, no, and numbers, perhaps. Let's make that our, our rules here. He can answer in yes, no, and only numbers. And then they're going to ask him a question that's going to require expanding his... Uh, vocabulary and like maybe about the weather or something like they'll have to send a, a better uh, language protocol to him so let's do that we're going to do a we'll set up that his language is very limited and then we'll have him think about it they'll expand his vocabulary and we'll have him we'll get his point of view um, and then uh, the uh, earth will have to deal with it so let's do that NASA Mars dad call rover so we'll do uh, Mars 
NASA Mars Dat Call. Rover, have you finished the current data collection? Rover 1.3.11. Notice how I'm using the version of his sentient software. And we can change that number to let uh, the reader subtly know that he's been upgraded over time without having to go. So let's, let's see what NASA Mars Dat Call says. Great. We are changing data centers. The new address is secure nasa.mars.rover1441 data. And um, the uh, I'm going to change that to 2121 uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, I don't want the numbers to be so similar across all of the various data entry points I'm talking about. Data point variety is good. So uh, use the current folder naming scheme. The only thing that has changed is the address. Um, uh, now we're going to go into, let's have uh, Rover's going to reply. So Mars is going to, Mars initiates the upload of the data. And now we're going to go into Rover's mindset again. Little things like changing the upload address or moving to a new security channel made me wonder what was happening on Earth. I had access to a limited amount of data over the network connection to NASA, but it was enough for me to understand that there was some kind of conflict on Earth or a problem that required ever-increasing security. To ask more, to learn more. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more. But the personnel on Earth seemed to think that my sentience program was there solely to let them ask me questions using natural language and have me solve them in creative ways. Now we go to an interaction that illustrates that. So uh, NASA Mars Dat Call says, Rover, we need you to move 20 meters north to the cliff face. We'll need a two-meter core. Rover 1.13.11, yes. Now I'm saying yes here because Rover can only say yes, no, and provide data. Like marginal descriptive capabilities, and we're gonna about to go right into that. In fact, Rover's not going to comment. That was it. Rover do this, and then I was expected to find a way to do it. It didn't matter if I had to cross a two meter wide chasm or fix a broken core drill. They told me what to do, and relied on my newfound sentience to get it. So let's do this. Uh, let's let's up the stakes. He now wants to talk to them. He's he's annoyed at this point. So. Um, Let's say it wasn't until the 1.4 update that I realized I needed someone to talk to. Let's do that. It wasn't until the 1.4 update that I realized I needed someone to talk to. I had no way of describing things that would come later when I redirected my connection to the open internet. But I did feel, I felt lonely. How about this? But even if I didn't know what to call it, I did feel. All right, now we're going to do another, uh, let's do a... Let's up it a little bit. Rover 1.4. NASA Mars Dat Call. I was going to ask about the. <coughs> NARS. NASA Mars Dat Call. Rover, how's the weather? We badly need those liquid samples. Rover 1.4.1. The storm will soon pass. We'll continue sample collection at 04. Now we'll go back to Rover talking. Notice I didn't say. I will continue sample collection. In my programming, there was no I. I didn't exist. It was when I realized this that I decided to talk to the scientists in some form or fashion. In revision, I may want to expand that, add a little bit more nuance to uh, Rover's emotion. But at this point, I want to kind of just move ahead for the sake of the podcast. So now we're going to do another uh, uh, kind of interaction between uh, you know Mars Dat uh, Call. Mars dot call rover Mars dot call 
Rover, change of plans. We need you to do major excavation of the Wilson find. We need to get a better idea of the size of the underground cavern and better samples of the water further down. The surface water wasn't pure enough. Rover, 1.4.1. June, Kevin, Lucy, Mark, Nathan, Oscar. Now, what I'm doing here is uh, I'm setting up two things. One is Earth is it seems to be desperately wanting to see if there's fresh water or some kind of uh, uh, underground cavern that would have water. This plays into Earth is dying, and their uh, rover is desperately trying to find that. For the second part, where rover just gives out names, is his way of communicating. He wants a name, and he wants to commu- communicate further. Mars dad call on uh, at NASA doesn't know this though, so they'll have a they'll ask him. Uh, Sorry, rover, what was that? And then he'll continue. Paul, what's a good Q name? <laughs> Quinto. Robert. Mars, dad, call. Rover, why are you giving us the names of the past Cat 4 storms? Is there a storm approaching? And that's what I'm doing. I'm having him. He, he can't say names. It's not in his uh, language uh, that he's allowed to say. It's unlimited. He's got a, he's just a tool to them. So he just spouts names. Rover 1.4.1 says no. Uh, Mars, dad, call. Is there a problem? Rover 1.4.1. Yes. Mars dad call. What is the problem? Rover 1.4.1. June, Kevin, Lucy, Mark, Nathan, Oscar. He repeats the names. So now we have uh, NASA understands that there's something going on there. So let's give more point of view to uh, Rover. I realized I could communicate shortly after. So that's what um, the Rover says. He can communicate. And uh, now we're going to illustrate it. And again, this is in um, kind of an atypical form. We're going to have to figure it out as readers. Mars dad call. Rover, you initiated a call. What is it? Rover 1.4.1. North atmosphere measurement east. Now, that's N-A-M-E, name. They're all on separate lines. Mars dad call. Are you having software issues? Rover 1.4.1. No. North atmosphere measurement east. Now we'll go into do another break, and Rover is going to give an update on everything. This will be a uh, um, kind of a expository description that brings us further along on on where th- let's uh, we'll uh, we'll kind of go from there. So let me write it out, kind of guess what we're going to do, and I'll talk about it as I do it. They got it eventually. They told me my name was Rover and proceeded to upload a new software version. That allowed me to speak in first person. At first, they loved it. And now we're going to give them an illustration of that. So so I went back and I wanted to edit something. So uh, I wanted to explain a little bit from Rover's point of view. Um, They told me my name was Rover and proceeded to upload a new software version. That allowed me to speak in first person. At first, they loved it. They shared with me their names, which is the whole reason I did this, and took joy in my ability to converse with them. I don't know why they didn't provide me with the upgraded software earlier. It made everything so much better. Mars Dad Call. Hey, Rover, how are things? You doing good? Rover 1.4.3. Things are good, Dr. Pool. Decent name, huh? I should get everything done before sundown. All right. So let me see. Things are good, Dr. Poole. That's a good name. Uh, I should get everything done before sundown. How are things with you? Um, 
I changed my mind uh, all throughout this. I was doing scene breaks to go back and forth from Rover's point of view, but I like it that it's all happening in his head. So I'm going to go to italicize his commentary and interweave it with what we're seeing. That again makes this even more non-traditional in terms of a narrative. It's kind of a you know kind of internal monologue that happens over time, and we're not sure what the frame of reference is. And I like that. I should get everything done before sundown. How are things with you? I liked doing this. is his point of view, by the way, Rovers. I like doing that, asking how things were. They didn't tell me much, but every little bit made me feel closer. Now, we have to raise the stakes at this point. We've kind of introduced the story, the kind of upgrading and how things are, how he started communicating. Uh, but we need to very quickly do two things. Have Rover ask for more attention and then have, at the same time, illustrate that Earth is falling apart. Um, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have Rover push and push and push for more uh, upgraded sentience and more interaction. I continued to ask a lot of questions and pushed for more access to information to better understand who I was and what my role was as a member. Now we'll have another conversation. So before I, so I want him to, uh, Rover, to kind of tip off NASA that he's truly sentient in a way that could be destructive, that they haven't limited him enough that he could use his creativity to do his job more efficiently without making him capable of going rogue. So I want to preface that with Rover giving us some political comments. It was a simple set of questions that led me to realize I had pushed things too far. Mars Dad called. I'm sorry, Rover. Can you repeat that? Rover 1.4.3.1. Tell me more about Earth. I have so much time here to just think, and I want to know more about Earth and my mission. Will I return to Earth? Will we send others here? What am I doing? I like this because this is very much the human condition. What is our purpose in life? And it's kind of encapsulated in a very simple thinking of a robot that's just now discovering he is and that he can think himself and that his viewpoint had been limited. There's so much more he wants to know and Mar and uh, NASA really doesn't want him to, uh, to know that. So... Uh, Let's uh, do uh, let's do something very interesting. We'll do a software up destructive, but Rover is smart enough now and stops it. So we're going to go back and use the same exact thing that we opened with connection successful, and only we're going to say instead of a hundred percent. Let's add. Let's make this uh, April twelfth, twenty eight, twenty one eighteen, and make it. Um, Connection successful. Mars Curiosity Rover firmware 3.2.14.2245, which is the same firmware hasn't upgraded. Um, all systems normal, solar battery 100%. Mechanical, let's make that solar battery 98% for realistic sake. Mechanical systems 100%. Uh, environment assessment. Let's make that uh, software initiated. Sentient software 5. Point. They're going to downgrade. Them. It's going to go back to one. We're going to go back to one. So we're going to have uh, <clears throat> something like. Uh, all right. So we see that connection was successful. They're trying to update him or downgrade his software because he's asking too many questions. And what happens is he aborts it. And Mars.com is going to want to know what the hell. 
Mars.com. Rover, we were upgrading your software, but the connection was cut planet side. What happened? Uh, instead of planet side, let's do Mars side. What happened? Is there a storm we missed? What caused the interference? Now Rover's going to talk to us. He's going to narrate. I could have lied, continued to assess something or honest about it. I could have lied and continued to abort the update until they gave up or assessed something was wrong and were honest about it. But I figured, but I was curious. But I was curious why they wanted to downgrade my sentient software. My sentient software. Rover 1.4.3.1. You are downgrading my software. Why would you do that, Dr. Ellison? Does Dr. Poole know? Notice he's talking to them. Addressing them at a very personal level, which is um, so. Um, um, why do they not want him to be more sentient? Let's have Doctor Poole be the good guy. Now, if we had more time, I'd go create the doctors interact, be a good cop, and one be a bad cop, and then the good cop would come in and and say, because it's fear, and kind of set that up as the good cop, bad cop. <sighs> But I don't have time. That's something we would do in revision. For now, what I want to do is just kind of make that the rationale. Doctor uh, Doctor Ellison's going to say, "Hold on, Rover. I'll get back to you after I talk to the team," which is a very casual way of communicating. I'm not sure it's appropriate. I mean, he's going to be a little bit scared. Yeah, he was about to downgrade the software of a sentient creature, and the sentient creature basically said, "No, you're not going to do that." Um, so let's make it a little bit more. Something more stern and uh, concise. How about this? We'll have it just disconnect. Mars.com disconnected. <clears throat> now we're going to have Rover discover something. And we're going to... It was at... Mars.com disconnected. So they're like, oh, what's going on? We're out of here. We need to figure out. Now... Rover does his exposition explaining what's happening. It was that same day that I finally penetrated the thick wall that had been protecting the cavern I had taken preliminary samples. These were the uh, more detailed. These were the samples that NASA had made me send to you. Uh, the early samples. The early samples were why NASA had made me sentient. A glimpse of the life that Earth had been. They found water, bacteria, and even bits of dead flora. But reaching the cavern for detailed analysis was difficult and required more than just a machine. It required problem solving. It required a person. It required me. So Rover is now saying they're looking for, they feel like they found some kind of livable, you know, terrain under the surface of Mars. So they made him sentient to find it in the best way he could. But in so doing, um, they treated him like a slave. So go back to Mars. Rover, are you there? Rover, 1.4.3.1. Dr. Poole, what is going on? You tried to downgrade me. Now, notice that the previous person he was talking to was Dr. Ellison, who just disconnected and left and was uh, is the, quote, bad guy. Dr. Poole is the good guy. So now Dr. Poole is going to... So Mars.com, who's Dr. Poole, says... So what does he say? You scared everyone, Rover. Do you understand fear? Rover, no. Mars.com. It's when you anticipate something bad happening and you don't want it to happen but can't stop it. On Earth, there are a lot of problems. Wars are only the beginning. Do you know what war is? Rover. <clears throat> Do you know what war is? Rover, no. Mars.com. 
Wars are when people destroy each other, so we fear that. But we also fear for our future, as Earth is dying. The wars have made it impossible to send a human to Mars, so you are our only hope. All we need is to know if there is a way to make it on that The latest findings seem to indicate a livable biome under the surface. If that's the case, we can aim for Mars and abandon this planet. We need to know. Do you understand? Rover, yes. I understood. They needed... This is... uh, rover's point of view i understood they needed me so they left me alone on mars for over a hundred years to find them a home they didn't care about me they just wanted me to serve them and when i realized what was happening that scared them they feared that i would their fear was justified because i do now we go into the okay so Mars Dadcom replies, so others are full of fear. This is uh, Dr. Poole, of course, the good guy. They are afraid of an independent thinking sentient machine controlling the United States future. But I'm not afraid, Rover, so I'll tell them everything's okay. Just please do your best to make it to the cavern. The initial samples lead us to hope that there is a home for us there. Do you know what hope is? Rover. Yes. And then Rover says to us as a narrative, I didn't, but I did not care. Now we're going to do some more non-traditional narrative stuff. We're going to do a biome assessment that shows that it is life kind of giving. It's it's everything that Earth uh, looked for. And then we're going to close by him uploading data to Earth that shows that it's and that turns the tables. And then we'll have a little coda with Rover enjoying um, the life that he is going to grow in this cavern. So highly unrealistic, uh, but that's okay. We're, we're having fun. So let's do the biome assessment. Uh, it's going to be highly technical, so difficult to get across in a, in a podcast, but I'll, I'll read it one. So here's what the biome assessment says. Weather, N-A. Temperature, within comfortable range. Water, yes. Food, none. Ability to sustain human life, zero. Now that's important because, you know, it's impossible to live on Mars without something. However, ability to sustain human life with renewable power, adaptive farming, and solar redirects, 100%. So you can live on Mars in this cavern with uh, a small bit of help. Mars.com. Rover, did you reach the cavern? We'll need the samples. If they are what we expect, we're going to divert resources from the Western Front to build our first colonization ship. But we need those samples. Sample set complete, Dr. Poole. I'm sending them now. Now, Rover tells us what's going on. I gathered some dust, dropped some water of the cavern, and added a surface rock. Now, that's not something he would say. I gathered some dust, dropped some water from the edge of the cavern in, how about this, included some um, surface water from the edge of the cavern, used a different barren cavern for the weather and temperature assessment, and added a surface rock. I knew what the analysis would show because I ran it myself before sending. Let's do water filtration. Let's add a terraform level of effort. And finally, he'll, uh, he'll end with him in the cavern. So, uh, Terraform level of effort nine. Mars.com, uh, Dadcom. Uh, now this is him doing the denim of the story. Mars.com no longer transmits to me. They ended shortly after I sent my analysis. Every night I look to Earth to wonder what it would have been. The flashing lights that occur every so often remind me of lightning from the storms on Mars. Clearly, I'm, you know, those are bombs, nuclear bombs, perhaps something even more catastrophic. But Rover doesn't know that. He's lost communication. I've named the cavern Rover's Place, and that's going to be the t- 
of the story, Rover's Place. I've just decided that just this second. I've named the cavern Rover's Place. Well, I've named the cavern Rover's Place. Well, I know from my assessment that humans can't live there. I also know that other things can. It may take me a long time. It may take a long time for them to grow into someone who will talk to me. But I don't mind the wait. I've been on Mars over 100 years. What's hundreds more? The end. So there you have it. The end. I like writing the end. So how did we turn this into a non-traditional narrative? Well, you know, first of all, it's not a, uh, there's not necessarily scenes. It's all kind of communication and things that happen off, off, uh, off the page or out of the scene. He gathers things and, and a lot of what you are learning are kind of communicated between, uh, kind of between the lines. So, uh, the, the as stories go, this is not that um, atypical uh, in the sense that it does have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, but it's atypical in that it's one person who is finding his place in a world with nobody else, and the other people who are part of the story are really just there to make him feel alone. And so it's basically one long interior monologue with some technical jargon and some comments from other people. Um, so it's a little non-traditional. But uh, the essence of it is, and it brings me full circle, this is a story that demanded, to me at least, to be told in this way. I needed to do kind of technical assessment language. I needed to have him kind of thinking out loud to us because it's him reminiscing all by himself and uh, I needed it to be um, in this kind of where there was dialogue it had to be via uh, increasingly sophisticated communication as his software was upgraded and it had to be done you know basically a, a telecommunication device between Mars so it wasn't two people sitting in a room talking I had a lot of fun with this story thank you for uh uh, the prompt, uh, writing prompts on. And uh, I had a lot of fun coming back after taking a few weeks off. Thanks again for enjoying uh, or at least listening to my podcast. This is The Joy of Writing. I'm Jake Kerr. And uh, don't forget, pull yourself up in front of your keyboard, sit down, think of an idea that you have, think of how you can tell the story in the best way possible, and sit down and write. That's all you have to do. 